From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we take a closer look at stories from our radio newsrooms across the nation. Today, On Deadline is looking at the changing culture of social media and the growing outcry against platforms that some say cause harm to our youngest generations. Last week, tech leaders from the world's biggest social media companies made their way to Capitol Hill in a hearing meant to discuss the dangers that social media has on the nation's youth. Among the biggest names of the bunch were CEOs of Meta, TikTok, and X, formerly Twitter. The hearing started with recorded testimony from kids and parents who said that their children had been exploited online while using these social media platforms. In the audience were numerous parents who had lost their children. They silently held up photos of them throughout the event, including while Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg got into a heated exchange with Missouri Republican Senator Josh Howley. Howley pressed Zuckerberg about the dangers of Meta's platforms. He also asked Zuckerberg if he had compensated any of the victims or their families for what they went through. I don't think so, Zuckerberg replied. There's families of victims here, Howley said. Would you like to apologize to them? To the astonishment of many, Zuckerberg who not too long ago was regularly featured in memes as a robot, spontaneously offered an apology. I'm so sorry for everything you all have been through. No one should go through the things that you and your families have suffered, Zuckerberg said, as those parents stood holding photos of their deceased children. Addie Robinson, a technology reporter at The Verge, joined Odyssey to discuss the importance of this hearing and what the future could hold for social media companies. Addie, what kind of issues are the senators worried about? This hearing was devoted to the problems of uh, children being targeted by sexual predators on the platform or things like non-consensual pornography uh, and child sexual abuse material. And so a lot of this was about driving home the idea that there needs to be regulation of social media that's going to make it less likely that this happens or that families and children who are victims of crimes on social media can sue the companies and hold them responsible for it. What's the status of some of that legislation? A number of bills have been introduced, but these things have been really going through Congress for years, and they haven't been able to really make it that final mile of actually passing into law. What did the CEOs have to say for themselves today? Every CEO was sort of focused on the specifics of their own platform, which have these idiosyncrasies. So say Snap had to deal with the fact that it has disappearing messages uh, and Discord, which was the smallest company there, tried to set itself apart from other social media sites. Largely, they said they're open to a lot of these ideas in spirit, but many of them tried to distance themselves from specific bills. This was a pretty charged hearing. There were a lot of parents there of, of kids who have committed suicide or been victimized on social media. Yeah, it was a really active audience. It was very unusual for these hearings. At one point, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, stood up and went and turned back and apologized to the audience, which is really something that you don't see at most events. You just don't see that level of back and forth. A lot of the CEOs point to the parental controls that they've added to their platforms. Are those enough? Are parents even using them or aware of those parental controls? The argument that a lot of the lawmakers were making was that parents either aren't aware enough of them or they don't really understand how to navigate them. Another thing that the social media companies were focusing on was 
the idea that they're already taking steps to lock down kids' experience or to not show them particular content. The rebuttal that a lot of the lawmakers brought up was that they made these changes after there was severe pressure or after this hearing had been announced. Addie, what's your take? Are these platforms themselves mostly to blame, or have they just grown so fast that there just hasn't been enough time to concentrate on safety and potential regulation of them? The core issue here to me is that these are just very, very large mass communication systems. It's very hard to have a mass communication system that connects people at a huge scale and simultaneously catch everything that's happening on that platform without constantly surveilling people in a way that they would find really invasive. So there are areas where it seems like the tech platforms have really failed to take steps that could have automated problems away or that could have, they could have put more resources into moderation. But I'm also not really surprised that when you have a system that has millions or hundreds of millions or over a billion people, that it's going to be hard to avoid at least some users falling through the cracks. Federal agencies have long worried about the exploitation of teens on the internet, but recent trends have pushed them to pursue answers more aggressively. For example, last month, the Federal Bureau of Investigation reported that financial sextortion, a cybercrime that targets teens and tweens, was on the rise throughout the country. In these sextortion cases, the criminal asks teens or tweens for sexually explicit photos and then blackmails them for payment to cover it up. From October 2022 to March 2023, the number of financially motivated sextortion cases rose at least 20% compared to the same period during the year prior. While testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee, FBI Director Christopher Wray said that the crime was becoming a rapidly escalating threat that leads to some teens self-harming and even taking their own lives. ABC's Stephen Portnoy joined Odyssey, sharing more on the hearing and how the issue has become increasingly partisan. Stephen, was this contentious right from the start? Well, it was. Uh, look, you have a dynamic where uh, senators from both parties uh, want to have a, a public shaming, a tongue lashing of these CEOs. The CEOs insist they're doing all they can to prevent their platforms being used for child sex exploitation and extortion. And behind them, you had the families of people, young people who have taken their own lives because they've been bullied, harassed, sexually exploited or extorted on those social media platforms. But what does it all boil down to? Yes, we could talk about the grilling, a bipartisan grilling, the tough questions being asked. But what are these senators preparing to do about it? Well, yesterday, the Senate Judiciary Committee acknowledged that on a bipartisan basis, overwhelmingly, unanimously, five times in the past year, this committee has sent legislation to the Senate floor that would aim to solve this problem. And what has happened since? Nothing. The Senate has not taken up the bills. The House certainly hasn't either. They're not about to become law. And why? Because these powerful, entrenched corporate interests, the CEOs representing them, object. And what an interesting thing yesterday to have these senators essentially asking permission of these CEOs. May we please pass this law that regulates your companies. And the CEOs sat there and said, we're not prepared to support these law changes. And so it's possible, if not likely, that nothing will happen. And so yesterday amounted to a very powerful tongue lashing and a shaming. And you had that moment where Josh Hawley of Missouri wagged his finger and uh, Mark Zuckerberg stood up and faced the families and said he was sorry for what they'd been through and vowed to do more. But what is the Senate prepared to do? Is it prepared to do more? 
seems the answer is a big question mark at the moment because these companies have been lobbying behind closed doors against any further action that would try to solve this problem. And what are we talking about, really, at the end of it? We're talking about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. You've heard so much about it over the years. It provides civil liability protection. That is to say, it prevents these companies from being sued for what users might do on these platforms. And the argument for the last nearly 30 years has been that these platforms exist to provide engagement, that users should be responsible for what happens on these platforms. And if someone commits check, child sex exploitation or extortion, well, those individuals should be accountable, not the platforms, because the platforms exist simply to provide the exchange. Well, despite all the talk of Section 230, the politically charged nation, nature of it, the idea that the companies are censoring certain viewpoints, despite all of that and setting it all aside, you still haven't seen any reforms because Congress has felt paralyzed to do anything about it because of the entrenched corporate interests here and the weighty political environment around social media regulation. And, and Stephen, you mentioned one of the focuses of this hearing, but even within this one singular hearing, it seems like focus gets diverted, and it's tough to know exactly what you're going after. You mentioned child exploitation and kind of, uh, some would call it a loophole, of how these social media companies get around that. At the same time, you had families there and another headline-grabbing moment talking about the negative effects emotionally, socially on children that just going on social media, period, can have. And they're really two separate issues that you don't know which one to attack first. Well, and the other thing is, look, to what extent are parents responsible and how should they be armed for themselves to prevent children from falling into these traps? You know, the law already has it that if you're under the age of 13, you're not supposed to be able to be on social media. But uh, how does a 13-year-old prove he's 13 and how does a 12-year-old prove he's 12? Uh, the, uh, the, the argument is that everyone's to blame and no one's positioned to do anything about it. So the finger gets pointed at the social media companies that they need to do more. And they insist they are, but everyone knows they're not doing enough. And at, at the end of the day, it's a it's a focal point it's on everyone's minds and what is to be done about it parents have to take more responsibility the Congress has to be more bold in how it acts and these CEOs have responsibilities too because from a corporate standpoint and just the, uh, the social responsibility and everyone acknowledges that everyone has a part to play but what's to be done The world of social media, much like America itself, is never standing still. Change and evolution, they're constant, for good and bad. TikTok, a platform known for many things, including viral dances and popular new songs, saw a big change last week after a copyright battle saw Universal Music Group pull all of its music from the platform. That move left millions of videos muted. The bass never drops. People were left lip-syncing to nothing. And the hook? It's gone. So what sparked Universal's decision to leave? Aram Sinreich is a communications professor at American University in Washington, D.C. He joined Odyssey to share more. So this tension, right, it's existed before between the music industry and other media and new media platforms. It, it just simmers, it kind of flares up, and then they renegotiate a deal, correct? That is correct. Uh, it's, it's really a giant game of chicken between two huge corporations. And as you pointed out, it's been going on basically since radio was invented 100 years ago. Um, it's just a question of who gets to get what concessions out of the other and who blinks first. 
who is legally liable if a user of TikTok posts a Taylor Swift song with a video in the background? Uh, could that user be liable, or is it TikTok? No, it's it's TikTok who's liable. Um, there are all kinds of uh, ways in which the law prevents TikTok from actually being on the hook for it. Basically, um, if they don't have a license and a user puts it up, they're required to take it down. And if they don't take it down, then they're going to be liable. But TikTok is wealthy enough and smart enough not to get caught in that trap. So it, ultimately, it's not really about breaking the law. It's about making it easy for consumers to get the music that they want where they're spending their time online. So at first blush, this looks like to me that it hurts TikTok, right? Because the, the users, it's many millions of users aren't going to like it. But it also hurts the performers as well. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So social media and especially TikTok have become vital sources of revenue for record labels and for the artists who are signed to those labels. Universal Music Group claims that about 1% of their revenues come from TikTok, but the impact is actually much larger than that, than that because people get exposed to new music on TikTok and then they go and listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music and that gener generates even more revenue. So absence from the platform is going to mean that consumers are listening to more from the other record labels and the artists who are on UMG on Universal are not going to benefit in the same way. So it, it, it really is, like I said, a game of chicken. Like both parties lose unless they can come together and figure out a new deal. So Sony and Warner have deals with thousands of music stars to release uh, their music. Is there a, a framework to get a deal so that TikTok users can start posting again some of these Universal uh, songs? Well, TikTok is too new uh, to have a boilerplate deal the way that like Spotify does or iTunes used to. And, you know, it's also changing very quickly because technology is changing so quickly. So one of the bones of contention in these in these disputes is over the role of AI and whether TikTok's going to be able to able to lower its costs by having non-royalty bearing artificially intelligent music side by side with the major label stuff. And obviously Universal Music Group does not want that because everything that uh, doesn't create revenues for them is, uh, is is a net loss for them. But TikTok wants to be able to do that because they want to keep their cost base down. So it's, it's in a way, it's very similar to the argument that, uh, that the Writers Guild and, and the actors had with Hollywood a couple months ago when they were on strike. It's a question of how much the big companies can use AI as a way to defray the costs of human labor. Lawmakers have long set their sights on regulating the world of social media. At times, it's been because platforms played a part in misinformation spreading, especially during elections. And other times, it's been because of questions surrounding free speech. But here's the thing. No matter how much of a risk there is, Americans can't get enough of it. A Pew Research poll found that last year, social media usage increased, with almost every major platform seeing growth or remaining stagnant. While platforms evolve, the digital community center remains the same. It's the place where we laugh together, cry, argue, share memories and moments, both personal and cultural. Social media reveals who we are and underscores in so many ways how we need to do better. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Barry. Thanks for listening to On Deadline, Odyssey's serving of a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts.